0: This is Money Guide with Mary Stirk from Stirk Financial Services. Now, here's Mary Stirk.
1: Welcome to Money Guide with Mary Stirk, and today we're talking about when you come down to the home stretch. Seven key strategies during the decade before you retire. So talking about that time period where you're looking out ahead, you can kind of see the light at the end of the work tunnel and you're really starting to contemplate the actual idea of being done working or at least being done working in the current job or the stress level or the environment that you are working in. This is a huge, huge transition for people and it's something that has I would call it a three-legged stool it has three really big components to it number one you've got the emotional component to it many people's identities really are tied very heavily to what they actually do for a living and that seems to be an even bigger tie for men versus women You know, the emotional impact about it is not just in what you do being a part of your identity of who you are, but part of the emotional impact has to do with still feeling productive and useful following retirement and also how you spend your time once that original honey list is complete. <laughs> so for many people projects can last for years but for some people when you get done with that initial list of things you wanted to do and you're just a couple of months in boredom can set in and really become a problem for people. So that's one of the definite things that people should be paying attention to before you actually pull that retirement trigger. The other two legs of your three legged stool are the financial factors and then healthcare related issues. So, when you think about a three legged stool, if one leg of your stool is a little short, your stool is going to be a little bit tippy. It's not going to be very solid. So, just like a three legged stool, if you have the emotional components of retirement, the financial factors that need to be addressed in retirement, and all of the healthcare issues buttoned up and dealt with and thought through, then you're probably laying a fairly stable and solid foundation for your overall retirement experience. But today, when you're thinking about coming down that home stretch, when you're actually approaching the retirement day, there definitely are strategies that can help that retirement transition be easier and help you be more prepared. And so we are gonna talk about seven key strategies that you should be thinking about putting into place and implementing in the decade leading up to your retirement. Now, it doesn't matter if you've got a year left or if you've got 10 years left, but sometime in that decade leading up to retirement, these are things that are great strategies for you to take advantage of. So number one, save as much as possible. Most people don't go into retirement thinking, gosh darn it, I save too much, (laughs) In fact, I don't think I've ever had somebody walk into my office and complain about how much they had saved over the years. So the reason I'm saying that this is a big push in the decade before you retire is because this is the last stretch of working years where you're likely to be able to actually save a fairly significant chunk of money. A lot of times for people that decade before retirement is one where they have less expenses than they had earlier on. For many people, they have debts that have been paid off. For many more people, they have children who are no longer draining their bank accounts. Those kids are expensive, gosh darn it. And usually in the decade before retirement, a lot of people have, you know, kids done with college, kids off of their payroll, things like that. So it's something that uh, you can frequently redirect things that you used to spend money on to the actual saving for retirement. So saving as much as possible is a focus that I would highly recommend that you be paying attention to during that decade leading up to retirement. Now, right along with that is number two, strategy number two is paying down your debt. And there's a couple reasons why paying down your debt to the extent possible is a shrewd strategy when it comes to retirement planning. When you are in retirement and your cash flow is coming in you're going to have cash flow potentially coming in from multiple sources. Maybe you'll have social security, maybe you'll have a pension, maybe you'll have to take money out of your investments. Everybody's situation is unique and different. However, one thing is certain, we all are going to have expenses associated with living our lives during that retirement phase. And so If you don't have as many expenses, then your cash flow doesn't have to be as high, and therefore your pool of assets that you've saved has the potential to last longer. So you're just setting yourself up for a better overall cash flow situation if you don't have significant levels of debt as you enter retirement. So a lot of people strive to have their mortgage paid off by the time they enter retirement, or they wanna get that car payment, the last car payment made, or get those credit cards paid down. It makes a world of difference when you don't have high revolving debt or high mortgage balances when you actually enter into that retirement timeframe. Now, is it a deal killer? It maybe isn't because it totally depends on the amount of assets that you have. If you feel you can comfortably cash flow that debt, then by all means, you don't have to pay it down. But it does need to be a consideration when you're thinking about how you're going to set up your income streams during retirement. Okay, strategy number three during that home stretch, during that decade leading up to retirement, is to establish a bucket plan. And if you listened to me before, you've probably heard me talk about this bucket plan. And the bucket plan is the concept that your money, your assets, should be lined up and allocated in a way that is depending on when you're going to use the money and what you're going to need it for. So the bucket plan is a three-bucket approach. It has a now bucket, a soon bucket, and a later bucket. The now bucket is designed to have your money be safe and liquid. And when I say safe, I literally mean money in the bank subject to FDIC limitations. Liquid means that you don't have any penalty when you want to go take that money out. You don't have any time frame that you have to leave it there or surrender penalty if you're going to take it out. So the now bucket money is money designed to be spent potentially in the next 12 months. So what we usually put in here is uh, cash flow that you might need for the next year. We also aggregate money in here for your emergency funds, so enough for you to feel comfortable with. And then lastly, money in your now bucket is designed to pay for things that are known expenses like a wedding or a new car or a big trip, something like that. So those are the big things that you wanna allocate money for in your now bucket. Now I said it's time frame in which you're gonna use it, which is the next 12 months, and what you're gonna use it for. Income, emergency money, planned expenses. The second bucket is the soon bucket. And the soon bucket is designed for using your money in the next 10 years. It's the first phase of your retirement. And the money in the soon bucket is designed to pursue growth, but it's designed to pursue conservative growth. You want the money in the soon bucket not to be subject to major market risk and major fluctuation because the soon bucket is the money you're going to use sooner rather than later. And so having that soon bucket set up is something that is, allows you to help preserve your retirement assets because you're not putting them at great exposure to market risk. Again, time frame is the next 10 years. So we've talked about the now and the soon bucket, and then that leads us to the third bucket, which is the later bucket. The later bucket is designed to not be utilized until at least 10 years from now or more. So it's considered more of a longer term money. It's intended to be something that pursues growth and can be maybe pursuing more moderate or aggressive growth. The later bucket money is going to be subject to market fluctuation, and that's okay because if we have market fluctuation downwards and you don't need to go get the money and utilize that in your later bucket for more than 10 years, then hopefully it has time to recover before you actually have to tap into it. So that later bucket is typically utilized, again, for money that's going to be spent more than 10 years from now, It's also where we tend to allocate money for things like long-term care expenses. So future big health care issues. And then lastly, this is where we handle things like legacy planning. So whether it's for your surviving spouse or for your children or dependents or causes that are important to you, the money that is probably never going to get spent during your lifetime is something that we would have sitting in a later bucket. Now, the now, the soon, and the later bucket can be a very strong asset allocation strategy for you because it aligns your money with what you want to use it for and when you want to use it. And there are different investment vehicles that are appropriate inside each one of those buckets. It's not a one-size-fits-all type of approach. And what's great about it is that our advisors here at Stirk Financial can help visit with you and determine where are your assets now, currently, and what should your bucket strategy actually look like. So I encourage you all to reach out and talk to one of our advisors here at Stirk Financial to get your bucket plan set up. That is something that professional help is recommended to do, and that is what we spend a lot of time working with clients on. Okay, so our first three strategies that we talked about during the decade before you retire are save as much as possible, pay down debt, and set up a bucket plan.
0: Congratulations to Mary Stirk and the team at Sturk Financial for earning a spot on two Forbes lists, Forbes Best in State Wealth Advisors and Forbes Top Women in Wealth for five years running.
1: Welcome back to Money Guide with Mary Stirk, where we're talking about seven key strategies to implement during the decade before you retire, what I like to call the home stretch, leading down to that freedom of time and money that you've been probably dreaming about for years. Okay, so we talked about saving, getting rid of debt, and setting up a bucket plan. The final four strategies to consider during your retirement or the decade leading up to your retirement are these. The first one I wanna talk about is getting your estate documents in order. So there is at minimum a three pack of documents that we highly recommend that people have in place before they retire or now. I I can't think of any reason why any able-bodied adult wouldn't wanna have these three documents in place at any given time, but for sure, getting your ducks in a row with them before you retire is a great strategy. The three documents are a will, a durable power of attorney, sometimes also called a financial power of attorney, and a healthcare power of attorney. Now the will is the document that's going to say who gets your stuff when you pass away. That most people understand that. What most people don't understand is that if you die without a will, that is called dying into state. And intestate means that the state that you live in is going to decide who gets your stuff. Now, I don't know about you, but I didn't work this hard and this long to save a bunch of assets up and not have any choice in who gets them when I'm gone. <laughs> I want to have my say, and I'm presuming that you want to have your say, too. So, I highly recommend that you meet with an attorney and get a will put into place. Now, along with that, the durable financial the durable or financial power of attorney is called a standby document. It doesn't actually do anything until you are incompetent or unable to handle your own affairs. This is something that gives someone the ability to handle financial transactions for you. They might be able to sign checks. They might be able to deposit or withdraw money for you. They might be able to change your address or things like that. And if you become incompetent, whether it's from an illness or a disability, it can be an expensive process for the court to appoint somebody to do these things for you. Now here's the thing, we're in the middle of a pandemic and whether you are terribly scared of being affected by COVID-19 or not, the reality is it is incapacitating a high number of people right now. So having these powers of attorneys on file is even more important now than it has ever been before. The third document is that healthcare power of attorney. And now some people get a living will, which basically kind of says, pull the plug, don't pull the plug. But the healthcare power of attorney uh, is more broad than that. And the healthcare power of attorney is something that is going to give someone the right to make healthcare decisions for you according to your wishes but their discretion if you're not able to do it yourself. So, especially since this current crisis in the world is a healthcare related one, again, this document is more important now than it ever has been before. So, strategy number four in the decade before you retire is get your estate documents in a row. That should be a will, a financial power of attorney, and a healthcare power of attorney at minimum. Some people will need more documents, but at minimum, that's what you should have lined up. All right, strategy number five is you're going to want to pick a time to start your social security. Now, social security has over 500 different ways that a married couple can choose strategically to actually trigger their social security. (laughs) So for sure, there's no one size fits all. In fact, that's a heck of a lot of ways. It can be a very confusing system. So the best thing that you can do for yourself is to familiarize yourself with the system. Now we used to get information once a year that told us what our Social Security was going to be and then to save postage and save money the Social Security system stopped sending them out to everyone annually and now you get them periodically and once you get to a certain age you will get them annually again. But here's the deal, just because you don't get them in the mail doesn't mean you can't get the information. So if you go out to the website, ssa.gov, then you will be able to access your social security records. You've gotta put in some information to make sure that there's no fraud happening or identity theft happening. And then you can see what your projected social security is likely to be. Now what they're gonna show you is at least three different numbers. They're going to show you the value that you can expect at your full retirement age, given a certain set of circumstances. They're also going to show you what the value is if you delay it to age 70, which is the latest Age that it will continue to increase if you wait until then. And they'll also show you what the value will be if you take it as early as you can, which is age 62. So you'll see three numbers on there, and it'll help you start to formulate a decision about when might be the best time to take it. Now, one of the things that sometimes trips people up about Social Security is if you have not reached your full retirement age yet, which is between the ages of 66 and 67 for most people, if you haven't reached that age, then you can't take your Social Security early if you're making over a certain amount. And maybe I shouldn't say can't. Maybe I should say you wouldn't want to because if you make over a certain amount of money, which in 2020 is just under $20,000. If you make over that, then you have to pay your social security check back. (laughs) What a horrible check to have to write. Nobody wants to do that. So that's why I'm saying if you're going to be working and making a significant amount of money, you probably aren't going to trigger that social security early. But strategy number five is pick a time to start your Social Security. So do your research and begin to get your ducks in a row about when is going to be the best time for you to start that actual Social Security payment. Strategy number six learn about your retirement health care options. Now, this is a biggie and it really has three different parts. For most people who are retiring, you have to figure out what is going to be your health care plan before you're eligible for Medicare. Then you have to figure out how Medicare works and what you're going to do with Medicare decisions. And lastly, you have to pay attention to long-term care-related potential chronic illness expenses. So three things. Now, if you're retiring early and you're retiring before the age of 65, which is when Medicare starts, you have to have some type of private health care. And again, I shouldn't say you have to, but gosh darn it, I think you're going to want to because you don't want to leave yourself exposed to major medical bills wiping out your retirement savings. Now, if you're with a group employer, you're going to potentially be eligible for something called COBRA, and COBRA will allow you to extend your group health care for up to 18 months. You have to pay the full cost of it, and you pay it directly to the insurance company, but it would extend your coverage. So if you retired when you're 63 and a half and took COBRA until you're 65, then that's going to fill the gap until Medicare can start at 65. Now, some employers, though, don't qualify for COBRA. Some qualify for something called state continuation, and state continuation only lasts for nine months. So make sure you understand what your options are in terms of how long the coverage can last if you're going to retire early and coming off a group plan. If you are not able to fill your gap with COBRA or state continuation, then you're likely going to need to get some individual health care. And Different programs are all over the board. Depends on where you live, depends on the state that you're in, depends on what your needs are. But what we recommend for people is if you're going to retire early, that you plan to budget at least $1,000 a month per person for health care premiums leading up until the Medicare age then you're gonna move into that Medicare time frame, starting at 65. And you have to learn the Medicare system, which is no picnic. There is moving parts in Medicare. You've got part A, you've got part B, you've got part D, which is the drug coverage. You've got penalties that can last for a lifetime if you don't trigger things at the right time. You also have Medicare Supplements and Medicare Advantage Plans. So there are so many moving parts in the Medicare system that I highly recommend you actually sit down with someone who understands the Medicare landscape and can explain it to you so you can begin to make the best choices for yourself. All in all, though, what I can tell you is that currently the cost of Medicare Part A is free. The cost of Medicare Part B is around $140 a month. The cost of a Medicare supplement, the most common plan, is around $140 a month. And drug plans can range anywhere from five dollars to $500 a month, depending on what kind of drugs you actually use. So this is a very complex system. And so my advice during the decade leading up to retirement is you familiarize yourself with the system and you can make some good decisions and know what the financial impact of those decisions are going to be for when you actually retire. Now on the long term care side of that that's a whole nother story because you've all heard about people who've lost their retirement assets to the nursing home so that's the final piece of the health care puzzle that you have to put into place and understand and solve during that decade leading up to retirement now the final strategy during the home stretch is that I highly recommend you develop a relationship with with a trusted financial planner who is also a fiduciary, someone who always puts your best interests at the forefront of the conversation. A trusted financial advisor can help you with financial planning, they can help you with retirement planning, with investment management, or whatever it is that you need a guide for. But a trusted advisor is somebody who can help you through some of these complex situations as you're actually planning out your retirement. All right. Well, I hope this is giving you some valuable insight on what to be thinking about and actions to take as you're in the decade leading up to retirement. And we thank you for listening to Money Guide with Mary Stirk.
0: The views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of your audio provider and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities or services mentioned herein.